Welcome to the Herbs with Rosalie podcast, a show exploring how herbs heal as medicine, as food, and through nature connection. I'm your host, Rosalie de la Forêt. I'm an herbalist teacher and the best-selling author of the books Alchemy of Herbs and Wild Remedies. I created this podcast to share trusted herbal wisdom so that you can get the best results when relying on herbs for your health. I love offering up practical knowledge to help you dive deeper into the world of medicinal plants and seasonal living. My goal is that you'll walk away from each episode feeling inspired to start working with herbs in your everyday life. Each episode of the podcast is available on my Herbs with Rosalie YouTube channel, as well as your favorite podcast app. Transcripts and recipes for each episode can be found at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com. To get the latest news as well as fun bonuses, be sure to sign up for my weekly herbal newsletter. Okay, grab your cup of tea. Let's dive in. While I was interviewing Tatiana Eves, I had to suppress the urge to stand up and clap many times throughout our conversation. I so loved all that she had to share, not just about Hawthorne, but also about reciprocity, relationship, and connections to the plants. For those of you who don't know her, Tatiana is a medicine woman, an ecologist, herbalist, wildcrafter, and spiritual guide, among many other things. She has spent her life seeking to deepen her understanding of the interconnected nature of life, learning, and finding the threads of connection between various ways of knowing. She believes in sharing her knowledge and wisdom of the forest to bring us all back into the remembrance of our personal power to enact change in our lives, our communities, and beyond. Her goals are in bringing forth an environmentally sustainable, spiritually fulfilling, socially just human presence on this planet by working collaboratively with others to strengthen our connection with ourselves, Mother Earth, and each other. You can visit Tatiana on Instagram at a.virosa, V-I-R-O-S-A. Oh my gosh, Tatiana, that is such a beautiful bio. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. Oh, likewise. I'm really looking forward to meet you in this space and and hear more about your journey and more about Hawthorne too. And yeah, that the bio really I've read the bio like 10 times now <laughs> and to my own self. It's so beautiful and and you have such an interesting way that the plants have called you in to work with them. And so I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So I think it it just starts when I was a kid, right? So I've always been such a such a sensitive person, just taking refuge in the quiet slowness of Mother Earth and all of her creatures. And I was definitely that kid who at the party hung out with the pets more than people. And so so yeah, I was just I was called from a really young age to just spend time communing with nature, learning the stories of the plants spending that quality time to get to know them. And as just like a curious person, I always wanted to just learn more about these systems, just learn more about how how everything works together, right? Like ecology is so fascinating. And so I have a Western science background and I went to school for ecology. That's my formal training to learn more about these systems of life and how life interacts and how these systems are dependent on individual components, right, to function, to flourish. And 
in that way, I like, I call myself a lifetime learner because I didn't really just stop there, right? I loved, I loved the Western point of view and I thought it was really useful, but in some aspects it felt really limiting, right? Not to be able to discuss the beauty and the feelings evoked in me by nature, right? Like our inherent heart connection with all of life. And so over time, I've just bridged that, you know, taking taking all of the parts that are super useful because it's a really useful foundation. But I've taken that and bridged it with so many other ways of knowing that are so complementary. And so that would be traditional ecological knowledge, right, from traditional Yoruban, Kamishan, Andean, and Potawatomi teachings and wisdom. And in that pursuit of like further combining different ways of knowing to see this broader picture and like fit those puzzle pieces together, I trained to become a vitalist herbalist, right? To look at our being as a complete system and have a holistic practice that like seeks to find the root cause behind the symptoms and isn't so just like symptom tapping, you know, not just like symptom band-aiding, you know? And I'm also a wild crafter, right? Like I've always worked with the plants and I respectfully harvest and forage wild plants. And then in addition to that, I like learned as an interfaith minister to serve as a spiritual guide. And so I've trained to help people to hear that intuitive voice within more clearly and align with their path and their purpose and remember our interconnected nature, our inherent connection to all of life. And so I've worked with the plants on my own for very many years and I've done all of this work, like kind of just it for my own, just like benefit and curiosity. But recently I've been called to share it and to do my part to serve the collective and to remind us all of the wisdom of the forest, to help us all to heal and to remember that nature is here to help us heal. And so this varied background that I've collected along my journey really just allows me to work from that body, mind, spirit connection lens and tackle the holistic, complex, messy human, right? And our varied experiences. Oh, that is so beautiful, so eloquently shared. And you know, something that strikes me while you're speaking is that we often as herbalists talk about holistic health, like that we love to be holistic healers. And your path is like, just struck me as like very holistic of just looking at it from all of these different angles and pulling different themes and and teachings in. It's just really beautiful. Part of me is also thinking like, I just want to be you when I grow up. So that's <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, all of those aspects are, it's, you know, very similar to my own foundation of from the wild crafting to the ecological mm -hmm. awareness to indigenous knowledge and the beauty that we find there and and wisdom so thank you for sharing all of that I'm just I'm so excited to hear more from you already and I'm you chose one of my very favorite plants ever it's a plant that I turn to almost every single day of my life and so I'm, I'm excited to hear what you have to share about Hawthorne Oh my goodness. That's so lovely. Yeah. Hawthorne is, oh, oh, also just thank you for everything that you've said thus far. Like, I'm just, I'm just so thrilled. Like, I'm so excited to be here and to chat about plants with you. Like, this is my favorite thing to do. <laughs> this is my favorite thing too. 
Uh, and yeah, so I love, love, love Hawthorne so much. And I'm so happy that she's also one of your favorite plants too, because she, I feel like Hawthorne is one of those plants that I feel like everyone should build a relationship with, especially in this time that we're in. And so she has a really longstanding relationship with humans. And so she's always kind of over different traditions throughout time has always just signified protection and happiness and love. And her power even permeates hoodoo traditions and Celtic and even Christian legends, right? And it's so beautiful that she's just so widespread around the world and like everyone has different, different connections with her. And so in that, she's such a beautiful plant, a beautiful ally, but she demands respect. And this is what I love about Hawthorne so much, because since she's in the Rose family, right, like she's got thorns and she teaches us the importance of boundaries and protection among so many other lessons. And one of my favorite, favorite traditions that has Hawthorne really like at the forefront, she's also called Mayflower, May Blossom, May Tree, you know. But in the Celtic tradition, she is known as the fairy tree. And this is so fun because she's known as the tree that stands at the threshold between this world and the next. And she's guarded by the fairies. And so you can't cut down a hawthorn tree without permission. And there's this one really amazing story in the tradition about this farmer that was really tired of people coming onto his property and admiring his beautiful hawthorn tree that flowered and was just like so vibrant and amazing. And people just kept coming onto his land. So he cut, cut her down, cut the tree down right at the base. And then immediately after the story goes that he suffered a broken leg. And then shortly after that, a broken arm. And then his whole entire farm burned down. So it's just like absolute extremes. And so all of that to kind of set the stage for Hawthorne as like this like incredibly loving energy, but like demands a lot of respect. And so on a physical level, like she works to increase the vitality of our hearts, you know, improve the way our hearts utilize oxygen to tonify and strengthen the heart muscle and help modulate blood pressure. But she also is used to heal, open, and protect our energetic heart. So as I mentioned a bit earlier, that she's like a really good ally for people who need help setting boundaries, right? Because she's really good at setting boundaries. And this is such, such beautiful medicine for just where we are in our society right now. Because like in this modern time, we're so bombarded by information and opinions and we're just perpetually overstimulated by the news, social media, like all the things. And so it's so easy to just keep, keep our hearts closed, right? And just like move through the world, like in this very like guarded and closed, non-receptive state. And so Hawthorne comes in and like works really lovingly and with intention to strengthen our hearts on a physical and energetic level so that we have the strength to keep them open as we navigate in the world so that we can remain open and receptive to receiving love, right? To be loving, to be delicate, but not fragile, to be strong and soft, right? And so with this, she helps us to like stand more confidently in ourselves, to be more free in our expression and authentic and 
She is also a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful grief support in this way. And I know a lot of herbalists use her and her in their grief support recipes. So yeah. Wow. Oh, That's I what like- I feel on Hawthorne. I love her. <laughs> I can tell that really comes through. And what a beautiful sharing from stories to to the kind of felt embodied experience of Hawthorne. I'd love to talk about the ways you work with Hawthorne. For example, we have a printable card that people can download, which is beautifully illustrated by Tatiana Rusakova, our botanical illustrator here at Herbs with Rosalie. But that's for a Hawthorne flower essence. And can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. So if anyone is unfamiliar with flower essences, I think I should start there. Specifically when I was communing with Hawthorne, right? And like communing with the ways in which she wants to connect, right? And like the best way to connect with her medicine. And flower essences were top, top of the top of the list. Mm-hmm. And so flower essences themselves are ancient medicine. Um, they've been used for thousands of years and capture the essence or like the life force, right, of our plant friends. And so they're a solar water infusion of the flowering parts of the plants. It's a really ritualistic process. It's supposed to be very like light and playful. And like, I always say like, don't be very serious in this process. Like this is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to like invoke like magic and childlike curiosity, you know? And so what flower essences do is that they they work on that energetic level to kind of provide that restructuring on the levels of your personality. So they work to help you with limiting like mental thought patterns, right? Like hard emotions to process through those and habits to like recognize and shine light on habits that you might not realize that you have. So they can be really powerful catalysts for healing emotionally. They really help to like loosen up all of the like tight knotted pieces inside us that we kind of hide sometimes. You know, as, as you're speaking, I'm thinking of like the many beautiful gifts that you shared about Hawthorne, helping to stand up straighter, to speak our heart for boundaries, and then hearing about flower essences. I'm just having this sense of like, yes, you can go to the store and buy some capsules of a Hawthorne product and you can throw those back with some water. And there are certainly benefits within that. Absolutely. We have flavonoids in the Hawthorne. I mean, that could be really beneficial but this is a different type of medicine. This is intentional medicine. This is healing medicine. And like you said, just kind of opening us up for the healing process. And I love also, I always, always love the process of us interacting with the plant and making that medicine ourselves. Because again, I'm not a purist. I buy medicines. I'll buy Hawthorne capsules even for that matter. But there's still a very different quality to recognize in between when we have our when our activities, our energies, and our literal hands working with the medicine. So that's yeah. a, a really beautiful way to work with Hawthorne for all of these ways that you've shared. Yeah, it's such an energetic exchange, right? Because when you're making the medicine, you set your intention, right? Not only are you working with the plant and asking permission and like working with the energies of our plant friends, but then you're going in and you're putting your own energy into that medicine, right? And your own intentions for what you'd like to receive. And so it's it's so such a personal process and it becomes really gratifying in that way too. Mm-hmm. 
You know, as interesting as you're speaking to, I kept thinking of all these times I've seen Hawthorne. Like it was like the presence of Hawthorne was reminding me, like seeing Hawthorne in on this kind of plain on a mesa in southern France, or seeing Hawthorne in Scotland, or here we have our native Hawthorns, the black Hawthorns, which are my favorites, and you know, seeing visiting them by the rivers. But there is something, there's such a presence, as you were mentioning earlier, about Hawthorne that does kind of just elicit that reciprocal relationship and interaction as well. Yeah. It's also a little like another fun fact, just <laughs> because since she permeates so many like religious and spiritual traditions, also people are afraid to cut her down. So not only will like Hawthorne grow in like very wild places just because she's like very strong and she's like, oh, I just want to grow here. But like people are very hesitant to cut her down. So in like really old landscapes right like there will be like hawthorn trees in seemingly very strange places <laughs> just because they've been left alone for so long mm. and they can grow to be so big and beautiful and mm. just that hard wood of the hawthorn really allows for that as well i'm curious i'm just had like a practical question that i know a lot of people will have is so what hawthorns can they work with are all hawthorns the same yeah, so I would, and I would love your perspective on this too. So I think that like there are over like 200 species of hawthorn, right? And so I, and I've, I've seen that their medicine is all very similar. So I think especially in creating a flower essence, I would definitely go with your local hawthorn just because that's like, that's a connection to where you are, the land, like where you're physically like putting your feet and like setting your intentions and so I think that there's a stronger connection there, but I don't think that, it, from my perspective, I don't think that it matters too much. Yeah, that's also my perspective. I generally like to use plants that aren't hybrids, but the thing yes. about hawthorn is that it is hard. You know, if people move into a house and there was already a hawthorn there at the house, just as an example, or there's a hawthorn in a tree or, or in a park or whatever, it's hard to sometimes know because they, they can hybridize easily, even, between you know, out in the wild. And so it's difficult sometimes to know exactly what Hawthorne you might have. And I am not somebody who really enjoys keying out plants to the very particular. So it often does come down to that relationship and, and working with a plant for a while and then seeing, you know, how, how that makes us feel and just the vibe we get from the plant literally from, from working yeah. with them. And I always recommend following our plants through the seasons, right. And like having that sort of relationship and connection, because then you really get to, get to honor them in a new way and like learn a lot about what they look like right through the various seasons because trees are very hard to identify in the winter right and so if you already know where your hawthorns are then you can connect with them at any time that's a really great thing to bring up and hawthorn is so much fun to follow through the seasons because we have this brilliant display of flowers in the springtime and then when all of those luscious fruits depending on the species of course our black mm -hmm. hawthorns don't have a ton of fruit on them and they do wither up pretty well and then of course there's so many animals that love to eat them the occasional red hawthorns that we'll find around here those will just be dripping in red fruits that often last a significant way into the winter so there's even after the leaves have fallen after the fruit is gone it's so much fun to spend a hoth spend time with hawthorn and those spines and the thorns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because then you can see them more clearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Are there other ways that you like to work with Hawthorne or is it primarily through flower essences? So there are various ways that I love to connect with the plants. I love to visit them in person. I feel like that's the best, best way to get to know a plant friend, really just like connect with them on that deeper level and like just tune into like how you're feeling when you're sitting with them, you know, what thoughts come up, what feelings and just really like tune into like get out of your head a little bit and like tune into that heart space, right? And like open that up. And then another way that I love to connect with her is making different medicines, right? So it could be, it could be tea, you know, the most fundamental medicine, tea with like her leaves and flowers, or I like to make extracts. And so I actually, this year I made Hawthorne berry glycerite. And so that was really fun with vegetable glycerin and the berries that were dried. And it was a really beautiful and loving process. Yeah. It's just, it's fun to make glycerites just because it's so like sweet and sticky and just like, it's very, very alive. Mm. Yeah. What wonderful sweet medicine. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about Hawthorne before we move on? Mm, Maybe just a little bit about engaging with the plants. And so I mentioned this in the recipe for making a Hawthorne flower essence, which she will be blooming soon. We've got a couple months, but soon. <laughs> and that would just be the the importance of taking that time to ask permission and tune in before harvesting anything, before even thinking about harvesting. Because Hawthorne, with her boundaries, if you're moving too quickly, you might get stuck with one of her spines, right? If you're picking the flowers and not paying attention. And so that's, it's a little warning. The same with like, you know, the rest of our rose (laughs) plants. And it's just very, very important to sit, to observe, and to tune into that, like, inner knowing where you can sense if this is an actual honest yes, or if you're just really excited and want hawthorn flowers. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. I've been in both places, so I know (laughs) what you're speaking of. (laughs) Yeah, there's, as we've been talking about, Hawthorne has such a beautiful, impactful presence that sometimes just sitting with Hawthorne is medicine within itself. Well, Tatiana, I would love to hear what herbal projects and offerings that you have going on right now. Mm, such an exciting question. And it's so fun because we're talking about Hawthorne and I actually just started in January my monthly class which is called Mother Earth Heart Connections. And Hawthorne called to me as the first plant of the month. Mm-hmm. She was really first and foremost. And so in that class, it's a monthly virtual class where we just deep dive into the story of one plant ally, plant ally per month. And we really just sit and like learn the wisdom of the forest so that we can learn more about ourselves in the process, like with Hawthorne and her boundaries, right? We like go into a deep history of the plant and how they've been used throughout time in different cultures and traditions, identify our allies in the wild. So I go through very specific identification techniques and like give everyone the language they need to like tighten up on the botany terms, you know, and we also learn about how they work with us, right, on that physical, mental and energetic level. And then how to connect with them, right? And then what they teach us about ourselves. And so I truly believe that plants come to us when they need our medicine, right? When we notice them, when they're in our space, it's because we need, we need their help. 
And so in this class, I provide tools, right? So that we can be better listeners. So because plants, they provide us with templates so that we can become our best selves, so that we can become healthy and open and aware. And so the class is really just about developing our intuition, developing our inner listening, our heart space so that we can hear more clearly and access this medicine, the wisdom of the plants in so many different ways, you know, physical, mental, energetic, they're working on all different levels so that we can, we can grow and grow in the way that our soul wants to and manifest our dreams and our desires. And yeah, it's just a really, really fun time. It's a fun community. We all learn and grow together. There are two options for the class. There's an herbal gift box membership version where there's a physical workbook that comes with the class where we kind of go through and there's space to like jot down your your thoughts, your experiences as you're connecting with the plant over the course of the month. And so the herbal gift box membership level comes with the physical book. And it also comes with the plant medicine that I make with that plant of the month. And so that's really fun because I just kind of tune in and I'm like, okay, what type of medicine are we into for this month? And then, yeah, so then it's sent on early in the month. And then there's a digital membership too, which is just the digital workbook. And then we have a live class once a month, usually on the third Saturday at noon. Hmm. And so, yeah. <laughs> and this is something you mentioned it started in January, but people can join any month that they want. Yeah. Is that how it works? Oh, wonderful. Yeah, you can join at any time. Um, each month there's a different plant. And so once you join, you'll have access to the portal. So you get to see all of the other past live classes and have access to the past workbooks. Yeah, I just say that if you're joining, I would join midway through the month so that you can make sure to get your plant things shipped to you. Mm. But anyone can join at any time. Yeah. Oh, that's such a beautiful offering, Tatiana. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, I can (laughs) tell. And that's just, I love that there's different ways to join in and that it also includes the the physical connection with the plant medicine you make. Well, before I let you go, I would love to ask you the question I'm asking everybody in season eight. (laughs) And that question is, what is your most important mistake? Hmm. Uh, I feel like it's, it's related to something that we like touched on a little bit earlier about like, about the eagerness, right? Like the Mm -hmm. excitement. And so I feel like right now we're in like a really exciting time because so many people are becoming interested in plants and connecting and foraging, right. And identifying plants and like plants as medicine. And it's so, so beautiful. And it makes me so excited, but oftentimes I'm like, Oh wait, slow down. (laughs) Because it can become such a such an issue of like sustainability, right? And respect. And so I definitely fell into this, like when like in my early days, right? Just being so excited and saying, like, oh, I know this plant and I know this plant, and like, oh, let's like take some, right? And like taking one more than you need and more than you can process and use before the plant becomes unusable. Like that's super, super important. And like two, even before that, like not respecting the personhood of the plants, right? And like not asking that permission beforehand and not learning their names and their story beforehand. And yeah, it's just so in my teachings, I really prioritize sacred reciprocity, right? Like mindful wildcrafting. And so sacred reciprocity, the concept is, right, like giving and receiving an equal measure, 
right? So it's it's about respect and asking permission first. And then knowing enough, it's it's just like you wouldn't walk into someone's house and like take all of their sugar, you know, you don't know them. And so you like learn about the person, you like become their friend, and then you come in and you ask them for sugar, and then they give it to you, and then you say thank you and you give gratitude back. And so it's it's the same type of exchange, right? And so sacred reciprocity is all about just like that respect and like remembering the personhood and making sure that you're not just taking, that you're also mm. giving and being respectful too of like the other creatures that rely that might rely on that plant as well. And so not only are there like other people that are like really excited about foraging and implementing their knowledge. So like being careful with like how much you're taking because other people might come into the same place and take it, but also just like all the wild animals, right? Like sometimes that's like a very fundamental food source for a very specific species. And so just like doing the research, knowing if the plant is threatened or just like in low supply in that like area, making sure I always like to do the 10% rule. I know some people have higher rules than that, but I think especially if you live in a more densely populated area, 10% of all the of the plant that you see, like is that that's what you're allowed to take <laughs> and don't take any more than that as like a respectful rule. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's mainly, that's mainly it. I've, I've fallen into this trap, so I won't, I don't want anyone to feel bad. It's just, you know, nice to, nice to remember and to slow down a little bit. We live in such a fast culture. Hmm. That is such an important sharing. I too have fallen into this trap. You know, when I first started learning about herbs, most, there wasn't that many books out there two decades ago. Like there really, there really wasn't. And a lot of the books I turned to, there was a lot of like wild foraging books. And mm -hmm. a lot of those books, especially, you know, two decades ago, the focus was really on like free food. And, yeah. you know, like, look at this abundance, which is a kind of a cool thing, like to feel the earth's bounty and to accept that and just have a mind shift of like from, you know, instead of thinking just about grocery stores, or even farmers to be able to, you know, as we've been talking about to go out there with your own two hands. Mm -hmm. Luckily, one of my teachers early on was very focused on reciprocity and that relationship and not about just take, take, take. So I'm, I'm glad that that was redirected early on. And I can just see that that is really infused through not just your offerings, but just your entire way of being. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, so I always love to talk about wild foods in the sense of it's lovely to just add on to what you're currently eating, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to like some of our really like mild, super nutritious herbs, right? Just like if you have spaghetti, just like put them on top, you know, like just add it to what you're already doing and like your current diet and don't try to make like a whole thing around it, especially early on, because that can be really hard and then you don't use all of it and then, it, you know, you fall into different traps and you learn what you like and what you don't like because just because yeah. it's like <laughs> just because it's you can forge it doesn't always mean that you want to yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much Tatiana for sharing about Hawthorne for sharing so much wisdom and your beautiful spirit with us it's just been such a pleasure to be in conversation with you oh thank you so much I truly appreciate being able to share the space with you and to talk about Hawthorne and yeah thank you for having me been a pleasure. Thanks for being here. Don't forget to head over to the show notes at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com to download your beautifully illustrated recipe card 
and get a transcript of the show. There you'll also be able to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is the best way to stay in touch with me. On the show notes page, you'll also find convenient links for many places that you can find Tatiana. You can also visit Tatiana directly at Instagram at a.virosa. If you want more herbal episodes to come your way, then one of the best ways is to support this podcast by subscribing on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. I deeply believe that this world needs more herbalists and plant-centered folks, and I'm so glad that you're here as part of this herbal community. Also, a big round of thanks to the people all over the world who make this podcast happen week to week. Nicole Paul is the project manager who oversees the whole operation from guest outreach to writing show notes to actually uploading each episode and so many other things I don't even know. She really holds this whole thing together. Francesca is our fabulous video and audio editor. She not only makes listening more pleasant, she also adds beauty to the YouTube videos with plant images and video overlays. Tatiana Rusikova is the botanical illustrator who creates gorgeous plant and recipe illustrations for us. I love them. I know that you do too. Christy edits the recipe cards and then Jenny creates them as well as the thumbnail images for YouTube. Michelle is the tech wizard behind the scenes, and Karen is our student services coordinator and customer support. For those of you who like to read along, Jennifer is who creates the transcripts each week. Xavier, my handsome French husband, is the cameraman and website IT guy. Thanks to Rising Appalachia for their beautiful song, Resilience. Find more of their music at risingappalachia.com. It takes an herbal village to make it all happen, including you. Thank you so much for your support through your comments, your reviews, your ratings. I read every review that comes in because they're like a little herbal love letter that brightens my day. Like this one. I absolutely love Rosalie's teaching style and ability to make herbalism less intimidating and overwhelming. In fact, she makes it so inviting that you immediately want to run into your yard to discover all the nutritional treasures at your disposal. As an aromatherapist, I appreciate this insight into the beauty and healing potential for the whole plant. Do you love this podcast? If you leave a review for me on Apple Podcasts, I may be reading your herbal love letter on the show next. Okay, you've lasted to the very end of the show, which means you get a gold star and this herbal tidbit. Have you ever smelled hawthorn flowers? People describe the smell in interesting ways from death to sex. They definitely aren't the sweet perfume of lilacs or roses, but they do have a pungency to them that really attracts many different pollinators, including bees, flies, beetles, and butterflies. I especially love pink hawthorn flowers because pink is obviously the best color, and even the white flowers have a bit of pink to them. I was taught to harvest hawthorn flowers when the anthers still have the pink bloom to them.